Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of I'm Not Fine. Um, up to episode eight, yeah, season two, more than um, halfway. Yeah, that's. We're also just more than halfway through the year, yeah. which is terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, uh, this week's episode will be on the June wrap up. Yeah. So what's happened in June? This month there hasn't been, refreshingly, a whole lot of diet culture bullshit. Yes, which is very nice. It is. It is. It has been the opposite of that to an extent. I think so. And I think that's our privileged position of living in Australia and being in winter. Yes. And we don't have to worry about hot girl summer or skinny girl summer or whatever fucking thing they're doing over there. Yes. Because everybody is rugged up. It's cold. Exactly. And there's no, like, you know, body aspirations because you're not going to the beach. If you are going to the beach in your bikini right now, it's a little concerning. Yeah. Good good for you. Good for you. Not for me. Not, no, no. Definitely not. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) That was a divergence. Um, What are some of the things we're talking about today? Uh, we're going to be covering Men's Health Week, which yes. is very important, very important week. And even though it's not specific to mental health, um, we'll mainly be talking about it from a mental health perspective, but also just like how important the week is in general. Yeah. Then we'll be discussing World Eating Disorders Action Day, which happened at the start of June. Yes. Um, and then we've got um, a question that was sent in that we thought would be really good to answer today. Yeah, something to finish us off for today. And I think it's a pretty relevant question in terms of June and every other month for people with eating disorders Um, and something that I'm sure a lot of people will relate to because I know we have in past experience. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. Thank you for that summary. (laughs) Um, So to begin, Men's Health Week and for us looking at it from a mental health perspective, what does that entail? Well, Men's Health Week was started because especially, I mean, in Australia, I know this for certain because I've just finished a population health subject oh, at uni. Oh, so handy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but across all ages, men die more frequently than women do and so men's health week was started as a way to draw attention to the preventable diseases in men because often they present differently than they do in women and often men are less likely to seek treatment for diseases than women are and then looking at it from a mental health perspective we thought we would discuss eating disorders in men because they're not thought about as often as they are in women um but like we've both been in treatment with males yeah even though it was very much the minority yeah but yeah we've definitely seen how eating disorders can affect men and according to the butterfly foundation in 2019 there was 360,000 men in australia living with an eating disorder which is a huge number yeah absolutely it's a huge number for a population that isn't considered to have eating disorders exactly and as you said we've both come across um like male co-patients yeah and the fact that I, i think across my across my illness from pediatrics onwards I've been like I've been in hospital with boys and men and that's just a small population of people who end up in treatment yeah let alone all the other people out there who are suffering without getting the help they need exactly um and that was in 2009 so of course 2019 2019 (laughs) (laughs) I meant that I just forgot the team um okay (laughs) 
thank you. Thank you for accepting me. It's in my clothes. Um, yes. Sorry, in 2019. So there's this, well, it is definitely, it would have increased. Oh, absolutely. Especially after COVID. Well, yes. not after, we're still in it. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> after COVID starting and the lockdowns and everything. And yeah. And the incidence of eating disorders across across Australia have really yeah. like, skyrocketed. And I'm sure men are included in that. Okay, so now that we've established that English is very much and do exist in men. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, I, I honestly didn't know much about men's health week at all, so thank you for that. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> so handy, population health. Um, what are some of the signs of English sorts in men? Because they are different. They are different. So I guess there's some overlap, but in that the physiology of the sign is of the symptoms like are the same, but the presentation of it yeah. is different in Good men. distinction. Um, so one of the key ones is a fitness obsession and that's especially to do with like muscle growth and toning because yeah. it's a different presentation of body dysmorphia Yeah, where people might think that their muscles aren't as big as they actually are or yeah. they're aspiring to have be toned in a different way than they actually yeah. are. And there are also, um, we, yeah, we must note that there are men who aren't into fitness at all and yeah. it's very much and they still have eating disorders yeah and it's more of it's more of that fear of um you know being in a bigger body and yes. all that sort of stuff so it does go both ways i think but as you said yeah. like it is a very distinct sign for men um that fitness yeah. obsession um and the idea of growth and toning when you can't actually perceive how much exactly you've done and how toned you are and even when gyms do body scans and stuff those things are so unreliable oh yeah like they could have the most expensive fancy machine and they could tell you that it's like completely calibrated and whatever but they're still so unreliable yes and it's and also just even if you have a really reliable machine but the person who is interpreting the data exactly informed if they're like just the personal trainer at the gym yeah yeah. Could you imagine someone doing your job in the lab <laughs> without the knowledge that you have? Exactly. It's just it doesn't work. It doesn't. Um, but that's one way that it can fuel, I guess, the obsession with the yes, muscle training and growth. Yeah, and as we've spoken about before, numbers within disorders are so entrenched exactly. and so strong. So, so having it doesn't those... matter what what numbers they are. No. Just having numbers. Yeah. Um, which also sort of feeds into the next sign of having excessive and compulsive exercise and dietary, mm. um, like that sort of focus and in, in terms of like compulsive and excessive exercise, having to have a certain number of reps or yeah. whatever it is. If you've got a heart rate monitor, reach yeah. a certain like percentage of your max heart rate yeah. for certain periods. It blows my mind how technical exercise can Yes, be. it's not just a matter of going for a run or no. going, I don't know, doing some squats at the gym. It's yeah, very technical. There's reps, heart rate monitoring. Plans. Yeah, plans. just everything. And so I guess having really planned to the minute with absolutely no rest days taken yeah. into account. And that's not just for like if someone invites you out to dinner or something and they say, no, sorry, I've got to go to the gym. But it's also for if they're injured or sick. Yeah, or tired. Yeah, and just really don't have the energy to be going to the gym, but it's a planned, I don't know, leg day or whatever, and they can't miss it. Yeah. It's not allowing for the variables that come with living. Yeah. And sort of, yeah, being able to be compassionate and be like, actually, I don't want to go to the gym today. Exactly. That's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> when yeah when you have that sort of restrictive and compulsive exercise routine um which 
sort of goes sometimes, not always, hand in hand with like a restrictive eating or yeah. really micromanaged diet. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Not being at all flexible with your diet. Like mm. people used to joke about people having chicken and broccoli, but like there are some people that can have, only have yeah, <laughs> can only have chicken, rice and broccoli and their macros are so planned down to like the microgram that everything is weighed out and yeah. it's just that's not it's not living. No. And it's not sustainable. No, it's definitely not sustainable. Because it allows no room for error or not even error but like spontaneity. Yeah, and I think that's where you can definitely tell when it's drawn the line from just like a fitness. Health kick. Yeah, health kick to an eating disorder or disordered eating when the person becomes really distressed if, say, they can't get their chicken, like they've gone to five different grocery stores and they can't get the exact ingredients that they need and they take that, like, anger out on someone else or just get really distressed and can't handle it. Yeah. That's when it's really problematic. Yeah. But if they go to one grocery store, they can't get what they need so they get something else, it might just be a weird fitness obsession. Yeah, which we can't discount and that's very much um, a very 2021 movie sometimes. Um, but that's a really good point. I think looking at the intention behind an action or a choice, that's always, always been a thing for eating disorders and eating yeah. recovery, um, and very much here as well. This, oh, also on the, on the dietary note, <laughs> the idea of that restrictive eating followed potentially by binging. Yes. Because if you're working out that much, your body needs so much more energy Yeah, and you might be giving it, I don't know something that the internet tells you is enough but if your body's asking for more and you're not giving it more then it's not enough and that is when binging happens well it's not the only time binging happens but it's definitely can lead to binging yeah and if you say you have a really restricted diet and it's very measured out and you have something over the top of it or something different and then your brain just switches and it's like well fuck it I may as well yeah just I've keep already going. gone off my meal plan yeah it's not a dietitian prescribed no. meal plan <laughs> it's not a, it's a meal self-prescribed plan. meal plan yeah or it could be a dietitian and nutritionist prescribed meal plan but that doesn't always mean it's the right meal plan exactly you if you're coming from if you're a not non-eating coming. disordered professional yes um not to not to besmirch anyone out there who knows in the fitness industry, but we do have to remember with eating disorders is a very, very complex and uh, specific way of treating them. Yeah. Um, but yes, if there is that restrictive eating, as you said, like your brain does get to the point where it's just like, I need, I need more. Yeah. And you need different, different, you need yes. glucose and sometimes you just need sugar. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you crave. Yeah. Especially if you've been having certain macros for a very long time that are kind of boring no offense (laughs) (laughs) um okay next one use of steroids yes and this is problematic for a number of reasons and we're not medical professionals so we're not i obviously know very little about them (laughs) (laughs) yes we're not going to go into the whole and the legality of steroids because i actually don't know anything about that either but the use of steroids can feed into the first point we talked about with the obsession with muscle growth and toning and mm-hmm. it feeds into needing to look a certain way and yeah. that might be like it might be physiologically impossible but the standards or the goals I guess that you have for yourself yeah. whether they're realistic or not sometimes to speed up that growth yeah, yeah, growth. Yeah, speed up the yeah. growth. <laughs> speed up attaining that goal. Yeah. Um. Sometimes people 
men especially will go towards steroid use. Yeah, which has, as you said, so many like complications attached. Yes. Um, and I think it is really distressing for men and women, but men especially when it comes to physique and this ideal, like this idealised physique and yeah. the muscle and whatever it is, and that's something that you, some people just aren't genetically able to attain no. it, and that is okay. Yeah. But it's this not... idea of steroids being out there as this golden solution, like you can solve it, Yeah, it's really it's, dangerous. It's so dangerous because... Again, I don't know much about the makeup of them or anything, but I know that they're not really good for you. No, and all. that they will make things harder in your life. In Absolutely. And even if they do help you to achieve whatever appearance goals you may have, the fact that you're using them to achieve the goal is not sustainable no. at all. And also the fact that if you already may have pre-existing mental health issues or vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. adding in steroids ain't going to help. No, definitely not. Um, it really can mess with things. Yeah. And it can feed, yeah, the eating disorder. And we're not saying that all men that go to the gym have eating disorders. No. But there are definite signs. And with men, these signs are more likely to be fitness and gym related. Yeah. And I think that's very much because society. Yes. Um, and this expectation that men, men will be muscly and ripped yeah. and women will be really skinny. Yeah. Um, and as we said before, it goes, you know, both ways. Men can, you know, want to restrict and control their diet in that way. So going to the gym and women can also go to the gym and take hormones and all, all of that. Yes. It's not it's, it's not, not exclusive to no, men and it's being, not a, wanting to be skinny is not exclusive to it. No, it's not a, a, like a pink and blue season five. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Gender neutral, guys. Um, um, but other signs that may be indicative of an eating disorder in men are being oh no sorry having a change in personality and social engagement yes i think um touching on the steroids steroid use and then going to this steroids can lead to that change in personality oh, definitely um rather terrifyingly um but yeah like as we know with eating disorders and with um an obsession with bodies and that dietary focus you can become less of you yeah and more of a disorder or more of that preoccupation yeah your identity can get wrapped up in the gym or the food that you eat yeah or what your body, your body. looks like yeah and that really does strip you of your individuality absolutely um and also like you're not you when you're hungry no <laughs> same for a reason yeah and like we're not like sponsored by is it Snickers? Is I think it's yeah yeah. yeah. I wish we were sponsored by Snickers. Yeah, we had Snickers for. Um, <laughs> it's because your boyfriend is allergic to peanuts. Yes. Hi. Sorry, <laughs> I won't talk about nuts. Um, but yes, change in personality and social engagement. The social engagement part we've kind of already spoken about a little bit yes. in terms of not being able to be spontaneous, not maybe being able to go out for dinner. Yeah, That's a huge that one. is a huge one, especially because. I don't know, I mean, again, not a man, so I can't really speak for all men, but <laughs> going to the pub after work and stuff is sometimes, like, part of people, it's part of people's job, like, work persona. Yeah, absolutely, Friday night dreams. Yeah, like, and if you're not flexible enough to be able to do that, then that really can affect friendships and yeah. other, like, work relationships. Yeah, and that's a really good point with just, yeah, like, alcohol consumption and being able to go out 
Oh, go out on the town, go to a party, like those sorts of things you can't do. Yeah, even going on a date because so many first dates and stuff are like just going to the bar and getting a drink. And yeah. if you can't do that, if you can't fit it into your macros or you just can't skip the gym to be able to do it, that's yeah. a really good sign that you've probably got a disordered relationship with food and exercise. Yeah, because it doesn't just intrude on your social space. It intrudes on the ability to have romantic connections Yeah. All of that, and then you feel isolated because of that. And Absolutely. Then, and then that feeds into the eating disorder. Exactly. Cycle. <laughs> um, sorry, my foot's got displayed. <laughs> um, that is the perils of doing it on the bathroom floor. <laughs> oh, at least Hamilton's not him here. He did try. He did, he did try. try. He wanted to make an appearance. I feel which... like he thought that, you know, men's yeah, health. Yeah, we're talking week. about men. Yeah. Talking, he's just gone through he a big mad. change. <laughs> He got to do sex last week, so he's gone through a bit of a yes. a hormonal change. Yeah, so you would have seen the cone of shame on Instagram. <laughs> um, um, okay. Speaking of change, <laughs> no, we already talked about change of <laughs> personality, but um, I guess the other thing, the last sign that we have really is that being critical about appearance, including having unrealistic perceptions of your appearance, unrealistic perceptions of the change in your appearance yeah. or unrealistic goals of how you can change your appearance. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a huge issue for men when it is sort of that gym focus because there's this idea in society that you can change and yes. you should change. Yeah. And that it's attainable. It's all about gains. And, yeah. And it's not even like like some people's goals are purely, okay, I can lift X kilos this week. By yes. six months' time, I want to be able to lift Y kilos. Yeah. Like Y kilos. So it's more completely about, different. Yeah. It's more about the yeah. functionality. Yeah. But some people are like, yeah, I want to be able to lift this because then I will look like this. Yeah. And that's when it becomes problematic because you don't know what your body is going to do, how it's going to change. No. You can't control it at all. Even if you can lift something heavier, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to look how you think you're going to look. Yeah, and then it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to think that you look the way you look. Exactly. That, that was complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's this, this – transactional idea that if you do x you'll look y yeah but then you don't take into account body dysmorphia yes like muscle dysmorphia yeah um and genetics yeah there's so much at gym culture that makes it unattainable absolutely um yeah and i think the if if you are looking for signs in someone you know this idea of somebody being really critical about their appearance yeah and vocalizing it yes and maybe even being really angry about the fact yeah. that they're not changing at a rate that they thought they would change or they're not achieving what they wanted to be able to yeah. achieve appearance wise because living in a body that you feel is a defective problem. or a problem yeah. is really distressing oh definitely and it will change the way you go about your day and the way you relate to your body yes so that's a big absolutely side. um okay i guess our end note on this topic yes, very important. Um, is to reach out for further info Yeah, um, because we are two women yes. <laughs> who do not have professional experience here. Um, but, yeah, I think heading to Inside Victoria, their Instagram had a really good focus yeah. on men's health. Yeah. Um, they also would have resources on their website. Yeah. Um, I know C, S, C, not S, C, E. Oh, Centre for. Yes. Centre for. Excellent eating disorders. Yeah. C, E, E, D have some really good resources for eating disorders yes. in men as well. And I'm sure Butterfly would as well. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, Moving on. Girls yes. Eating Disorders Action Day. So it was um, positioned this year under the hashtag equity for eating disorders. Yeah. 
um, which is obviously an incredibly important hashtag. Absolutely. Um, and I think incredibly pertinent with the amount of knowledge we know about the different marginalised groups and different yeah. groups in general that are presenting with eating disorders more and more. Yes. Um, so some of the goals that they have this year in equity for eating disorders is that they were promoting equity for all presentations and types of eating disorders, equity in access to treatment and equity for marginalised and underrepresented groups. Yeah, I think um, as we've very much spoken about before, we started our podcast on it, <laughs> eating disorders don't discriminate. Absolutely. Um, and so in order to get action for every single person, you have to cater for all forms of eating yeah. disorders. And, and not just not just the ones that are easier to manage. Yeah, and not even this might not be a hundred percent right oh no i think i'm gonna go with it um <laughs> just go, just go. but not even just the ones that are in the dsm yeah because there are many different presentations of eating disorders that don't actually fall into one single category yeah and it's really important that you can individualize however someone's eating disorder is present presenting you need yeah. to be able to target treatment to that not to a diagnosis yeah if that makes really sense yeah, yeah absolutely and i think that's one of the focuses that should be, um, especially this year, after, I keep saying after COVID, <laughs> the fuck, because of the COVID, the huge lockdown, especially last year yeah. in, in Melbourne, but also around Australia and the world, eating disorders have become incredibly pervasive and um, have been multiplied, really. Yeah. So... I work at a hospital and I was in a meeting the other week and just the presentation, the number of eating disorder patients that they had this year compared to last year and the year before in the same months and just the number of presentations that they have had to like the emergency department and stuff has just multiplied like exponentially. Yeah, which is terrifying. I keep saying terrifying. It is, but it is it terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I think with that there is going to be so many people who haven't been diagnosed or, as you said, yeah. may have a varied diagnosis that doesn't fit under a neat title. Yeah. Um, but that they are no less worthy of treatment. Absolutely. Um, and I guess equity and access has always been an issue. Oh, yeah. So I just definitely. Because um, you need professionals who are really well trained and it's really hard to find. Yeah, because there's understandably there's professional burnout in this area. Oh, yeah. Um, and the fact that eating disorders are so complex. And then there's that disconnect between eating disorders and the, the people who are experiencing them and the idea that they're serving them a purpose. So then there's reluctance in treatment and it just makes it really hard for yeah. service providers to keep going at it. Oh, I absolutely. Think. It would be so hard, especially the nature of eating disorders yeah. and how sometimes they can be giving like the they can be giving it their all and the eating disorder just keeps bumping up against them. Yeah. It must be I don't know, at times feel less rewarding than it can at other times. Oh, I reckon, especially yeah, when someone is at the depth of their illness and they can't appreciate or not that you need to appreciate your care, but able to take a step back and see that the care and the service provider is working for them, yes. not against them. Yeah, which is very hard in eating disorders because yeah. you just think everyone's against you, whereas yeah. they're not against you, they're against your eating disorder. Yeah. 
But sometimes you're too close to it to tell. Exactly. Um, that was a bit of a segue. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, access is difficult in terms of professional support. It's also difficult in terms of getting an inpatient stay. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of a gap between the private and public system and who can be eligible for it. Absolutely. Um, financially, but also diagnostically and how people present yes. um, medically and psychologically. There's just, yeah. it's there's not enough. No, there's not enough beds in inpatient settings. No. And then because of that, there has to be, I guess, guidelines yeah. that systems and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Triage. No. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> like healthcare settings. There's yeah. guidelines that the healthcare settings have yes. to be able to um yeah triage patients and prioritize waitlist and even accept patients like yeah. there are some places that just purely can't accept them because if they did they would be inundated forever yes and there's that yeah there's that issue of having really clear guidelines and precedents in place yeah um which is to serve the the broad community of people with eating disorders but it does leave individuals slipping through the gaps yes um and I think both of us have been incredibly fortunate to have oh, the absolutely. access. Yeah. Um, but not everyone, yeah, it's it's something that hopefully um, will be changed in the future after yes. they've done the Royal Commission into Mental Health and hopefully, like, actual change will come through that. Yes. Um, because access to treatment is very important, especially yeah. early treatment. Yes, Often early because of the guidelines early intervention is not always possible in an inpatient setting yeah. um, which can make it very hard because by the time the person does get into an inpatient setting if they do it all the eating disorder has gotten a lot stronger and louder just yeah. because it's been allowed to exist for longer yes exactly and it's really sunk its teeth in um okay next point equity for marginalized and underrepresented groups what groups are we talking about here well, first of all, we'd like to preface this by saying that we are not in the marginalised and underrepresented groups, no. but we do have some insight into certain marginalised groups just given what we've seen in treatment. Yeah. But we're also talking about groups like transgender um, population because there's quite a strong link with transgender presentation with body dissatisfaction and gender dysphoria and I guess as a way of controlling the body dissatisfaction if they're not in a position to go through hormonal or surgical changes, then one way of controlling it is by restricting or controlling how your body looks yeah. because it's the one thing about your body you can control when you can't yeah. control your genitalia. Yeah, um, and there's that desperation, that that understandable desperation when you don't feel like you are in the right body. Um, yeah not able to be the gender that you genuinely are yeah um it does make sense that people revert to these sort of coping mechanisms and as you said manipulations like exactly because it's the one thing that they can control about their body even if it might not be the thing they want to control about their body yeah and then there's the issue of um stigma and outside the people outside of the person who yeah may like the, the fact that transgender presentations are marginalized because exactly of the nature of it um and the the, the still the reluctance in society when it comes to transgender issues I yes. think really does 
put a stick in it in terms of seeking help for an eating disorder. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next, that it might not be, they might be fully aware that they have an eating disorder, but they're just, because of their other, I guess, yeah, because of their transgender, whether at whatever stage they're at, whether they're pre-transition or post-transition, they might not feel comfortable seeking treatment for an eating disorder. Yeah, because seeking treatment for an eating disorder alone is hard Absolutely. and full of stigma and full of uncertainty. But then you add, yeah, gender dysphoria in there and gender expectations that you yeah. don't align with and you don't that they aren't about you. It's really hard, um, I would imagine, because I didn't know <laughs> uh, first what am I trying to say? You don't, we don't have the lived experience. Mm, no. Don't have lived experience. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, another population that is quite marginalised, not necessarily marginalised in the same way, but certainly underrepresented in yes. eating disorder treatment is people in bigger bodies. Yes, and the fact that people in bigger bodies are often gaslit when it comes Absolutely. to their own experiences of eating disorders. Yeah, there's so many cases that you hear of people basically being complimented on their weight loss if their eating disorder is making them lose weight yeah. or being told that their food and eating issues aren't a problem because they're in a bigger body yeah. or that, yeah, that they're just not, they're making up whatever symptoms they're saying they're having. Yeah. Uh, I've seen on TikTok, on Instagram, we spoke about it a little while ago. Um, so much medical gaslighting. Medical gaslighting, yeah, and people just straight out without even knowing anything about you, no idea who you are, saying, "Oh, you don't have X diagnosis because yeah. you don't look exactly. You don't look how they expect." And they have no right to say that. They have no information to base it on. But it's all about appearances when it comes to that sort of um, perception. I think, yeah. Also, when it comes to people in bigger bodies. It's really hard as well, from what I've read of other people's experiences, to trust um, people like clinicians who may be in smaller bodies yeah, um, or may say things like, oh, don't worry, we're not going to make you fat or yes. something like that, which uh, <laughs> it demonises. It makes, it makes someone feel like they're the worst case scenario. Yeah, that you're what people are afraid of yeah. in the reason that they're afraid to recover yeah and yes having come from a bigger body and losing weight it's really confusing mm. when people are giving you praise yes and then you might take it too far yeah. and then suddenly you're expected to feel like it's a bad thing but yes. it's been a good it's thing. been a good thing all along until it gets to a point where it's a bad thing yeah and then is, it's like for people who might not get to that point where you know it's a bad thing and it's still seen as a good thing how invalidating is that? oh absolutely because you've got the exact same symptoms as anyone else yeah um yeah it's a really complicated uh, position to be in I imagine it and is. I think it's something that um, hopefully is once again changed and I think the emphasis on action yes I was just... going to say it's very important that there was a goal for yeah. equity for marginalized and underrepresented groups yeah I think that's super important and I guess as a theme with this entire <laughs> episode it seems I keep to keep saying this um all of the above for marginalized people underrepresented communities, men as well, Yes, um, has been complicated 
like COVID-19 yeah. and the increase in presentations across the world because when there are increasing presentations of, say, a typical case, it makes it harder for those who may have an atypical case yeah. to get the support they Absolutely. very much need. Definitely. Um, good point. Okay, finally, we have a really good question that came yeah. up during Mar March. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what um that came up during june that we think is a good one to talk about yeah we really wanted to highlight this question because it's something that we can both relate to very strongly yes. and it probably is quite relatable to many of our listeners who have eating disorders or also on the flip side are the support person of someone with an eating disorder yes so the question we were sent was does your family and we've added other or other supports no longer trust you when you say you've already eaten i feel like the boy who cried wolf Yes, which is a really, um, it, it's a good, good metaphor. Yes. Um, I think it is incredibly frustrating. And so frustrating. Really relatable, especially when you've had an eating disorder that isn't private to just yourself and the treatment team. Yeah. Um, when you've had family support. Yeah, like if you've been living at home or if you were younger when you start, when your eating disorder started. Yeah, or if you have a significant other in your life that checks in on you or whatever it is, somebody outside of yourself and often your treatment team. I think I was always more tolerable of my treatment team calling Oh, absolutely. Because it's their job. Yeah, um, but so I'm much more tolerable of them than yeah, their family. Yeah, but I always found it really grating when my family would call me out or ask me or not believe me. Yes. Um, so to answer the question, I was at a point where, yes, they did no longer trust me, but then you slowly build back that trust. And now my family do trust that I say I've eaten when I've eaten and yes. they don't push the question. If I, if they say, have you eaten? I say, yes. They don't even ask what I've eaten anymore. They yeah. just accept that. Yes. Is the yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I'm similar. I think, um, yeah, having, my parents, my parents have had a lot of control over my meal plan and my eating and all of that for a very long time in the past. But it's really, yeah, it is refreshing when you're able to get to that point where they may ask whether you've eaten. Yeah. I come over and they're like, have you eaten? Not because they're checking in on me, but they're asking whether I want to go out for lunch. And yeah. I'm like, hell yes, let's do it. <laughs> but it is in the moment when you are getting questioned and you have genuinely eaten what you're supposed to yeah it feels like a slap in the face it does especially because you say yes and sometimes even the way you say it because you're like yes I actually have eaten that gets taken the wrong way yes and then they're like you haven't eaten and you're like I definitely have like I didn't take a photo of it to show no. you but I've definitely eaten and then you get angry and then, and then the angry <laughs> angry you get the less they believe you yeah and it's just it's a whole time so it is. yes it's so, it's so frustrating yeah and it is very much like the boy you cried for absolutely but i think what we have to remember is people um who've been in recovery or are in recovery that it's not an us versus them situation no. it's an us and them versus the eating disorder absolutely. situation and yeah usually the question's not asked maliciously no. or from a place of it's not even often asked from a place of mistrust it's asked from a place of concern usually or wanting to make sure that you're if you're on a meal plan wanting to make sure that you are complying with the said meal plan yeah um yeah I guess in terms of where to from there yeah start small in building trust yes. and know that it's a process it is a process um, frustratingly yeah it's not just going to go from them not believing you to them completely believing you if they haven't seen you eaten all day yeah 
Um, and it may involve eating in front of them and yes. sort of being able to demonstrate. It's hard. It's it's really shitty to feel like you have to prove yourself. Yeah. But just to, to be able to demonstrate the autonomy, I think. Yeah. Like not waiting for them to say it's lunchtime and then going and getting your lunch and eating it, but yeah. rather you saying, hey, it's lunchtime, going and getting your lunch and eating it. Yes, exactly. Showing a will. Unfortunately, you do kind of have to show a willingness and yeah. sort of independent that you want to get better yourself. Yes. Or at least you're going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and that's generally people um, supports like to see it through actions. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, start small. And also I think supports really like to be asked to they support. Do. Yeah. So if you are having a rough day, don't think about it as, oh, shit, I'm going to look like I'm not doing well enough or something. Yeah. People really enjoy, not enjoy is a strong word. Enjoy <laughs> but people like to be able to help. People like to be able to help and appreciate um, knowing where you're at. Yeah. So I think. So if you are having a rough day or even if you just want to help them feel included, yeah, which might take the heat off, the have you eaten questions but even just like giving them two options and saying hey can you pick something for me to have as a snack or getting someone to plate up your dinner for you or something like that that includes them but shows that it's coming from you yeah I think that also really helps with the frustration that you have in inwardly because you can see that you're working together and it's not a forced um dynamic where you're parents or loved one or whatever it is is forcing you to eat you're actually giving over some of the control keeping some of the control and it allows you to move forward as feeling like you're an autonomous being yeah and not a child which can be really hard yes um yeah i guess another big point that i would like to emphasize because i know my eating disorder used to do this don't let your eating sort of twist it and suggest that you may as well just not eat. If yeah. they're not going to believe you, just don't eat. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't do that. It doesn't help anyone. It, and it definitely doesn't help them building the trust process. No. And it won't help you in recovery because the more you have those fuck it moments and don't follow your meal plan, the harder it's going to be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think that's, I think we've said, yeah, most, most of what we wanted to say today. <laughs> Um, yes hopefully this um episode made sense yeah and thank you for bearing with us when it comes to um yeah talking about marginalized groups and underrepresented groups we really do want to talk about it but we don't want to sound like we know exactly how it feels exactly because we really don't know how it feels and we're in a very privileged position but we want to make sure that the conversation has been started yeah and that others can keep talking exactly And as we said, hopefully that action word in World Action Day is acted upon. Yes, that Um, is the goal. Yes. Um, As always, if this has brought up anything for you, just head to imnotfine.podcast on Instagram and you can find links to Butterfly, um, EDV, EDQ and Lifeline. Cool. Thank you.